September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, rather, and one in eight Canadian men can be expected to be diagnosed with the disease in their lifetime, according to the folks at the Canadian Cancer Society. That means in this year alone, 24,000 Canadian men will hear the words, you have prostate cancer. Those uh, words were uh, spoken to our next guest, Don Conance, uh, who is uh, at the airport uh, waiting for a, uh, to jump on a plane. Mr. Conance is a triathlete. He is a pro- prostate cancer survivor, and he's here to talk a little bit about Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Don Conance, good morning and welcome, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Sterling. Uh, you found out at 48, and, uh, and, and just by way of a background, you are a triathlete, your wife is a dietitian. you led, to, to say the very least, an extremely healthy lifestyle, non-smoker, outdoorsy guy, all the stuff. I mean, the perfect uh, uh, recipe for a, a clean, healthy life, and out of the blue, at 48, uh, somebody says to you, you have prostate cancer. How did that go? Well, Sterling, among your viewers are some probably some friends of mine, and I I, I would I wouldn't consider myself leading a perfect lifestyle, okay, <laughs> but I was leading a very good lifestyle. Okay, okay? healthy then, healthy. And, uh, and 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 the reality is, Sterling, that um, one in two British Columbians are going to hear the words "you have cancer" in their lifetime. Prostate cancer is a particular concern, um, but cancer generally is a very serious menace and for me at age 48 um this was this was not a midlife crisis this was a complete life crisis absolutely so now what uh, uh what was the uh therapeutic approach once you found out that the diagnosis was what it is what was the uh, what was the remedy what what kind of uh, program did you go into don well, this is really interesting because in Vancouver, we have the largest concentration now of prostate cancer science in the world. So I didn't know that before my, my storm started, but I can tell you that there is a lot of really good competency in our midst um, around this particular disease, and I was able to um, get and intersect with these people and and uh, and fall into their care and that was um, I consider that one of the greatest uh, lucky moments of my life and that lucky moment was driven by the fact that we have lots of people that um, donate um, help mm-hmm. and and advance our cancer understanding um, and this is something that is really um super super important don when you when you were diagnosed i guess it's all about at at what stage one is diagnosed with cancer because the earlier the detection and diagnosis the earlier or the better the prognosis for uh treatment and survival so obviously you you've survived we're having this conversation this morning what sort of treatment did you have to to do the chemotherapy or what specifically did they put you through so my particular cancer um, affected me at age 48, and as a young man, uh, we typically see a more aggressive type of cancer than we do in older men who die with cancer, not of cancer. Mm-hmm. And so for me, surgery was was immediate right off the bat. I was home recovering from surgery within 30 days of my diagnosis. Wow. Okay, this was an incredible turnaround. 
Um, then from there, I, I got onto a series of drugs. The pathology was not good. The margins were not good. It had spread outside the prostate, which is typical of advanced prostate cancer. And so I went on a drug protocol, a whole series of those, and, um, and I underwent. Um, now I've, I've gone through two uh, batches of, of um, fairly serious radiation. Um, and um, all of these are performance-diminishing, Sterling. I'll say that. Well, I imagine now you hear you hear horror stories in terms of uh, chemotherapy, for example, and just the 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 effects it has uh, on on the constitution. It's pretty tough stuff, uh, and and the other therapies related would, I assume, be equally rigorous, right, Don? Yes, absolutely. This is um, the, these are tough treatments, and um, I, I do enjoy the side effects, Sterling, because I know I'm getting the effect. Right. Okay, and uh, this is super. You know. This is great that, that this is working, and I'm now in year 12, Sterling, of being alive with this. I'm still swimming along with it. Um, I wake up every day with this black bird sitting on my shoulder, and, uh, and it's something that I have to work and manage, and, uh, and my doctor team has been fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Uh, It's also in terms of the way you handle this. For example, I was reading the story about you in the the Vancouver Sun the other day, Don, and you don't call yourself a cancer survivor. You like to think of yourself as a swimmer. Tell us why. Well, for me, the experience was like being tossed over a boat. And and people are standing on the boat and they're, they're... They've spotted me out in the water, and they're throwing me life jackets, and I'm trying to tread and get up, up my head above the water. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lonely experience, Sterling, having, um, having cancer. It's something that is um, incredibly personal. And, you know, for, for a lot of cancers, they don't hurt, but the emotional toll and the rigor on one's soul is very, very difficult. There, there, of course, there's a... As I mentioned before, there's a lot of performance-diminishing aspects to this. Mm -hmm. But swimming, to me, really more captures it than a survivor. I'm still on all these drugs. I'm still going to see my doctor uh, regularly, like every couple of months. I'm doing testing and all kinds of CTs, and I've been through a couple of clinical trials. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, working hard to keep this at bay, and so far, so good. You talked about out of the water yet? Sir. Yeah, you talked about the quality of care available here in Metro Vancouver, and uh, some of the best prostate cancer researchers on the planet are local, and that's a, a huge plus. Don, I want to talk for a very brief moment or two about seeing your doctor. You've said I've, I see my doctor regularly, every couple of months, and you've referred to the quality of care you've been receiving gratefully. There is, however, being a guy, you would understand there's this sort of innate male reluctance to go to doctors and say. I need a checkup. I'm worried, um, et cetera, et cetera. Guys have this thing about doctors and tests, and they got to get past that. And no better time to do it than uh, during a, a prostate cancer awareness month, right? Absolutely. You know, behind every 60-year-old man dying of prostate cancer is a 50-year-old man who could have been cured by simple tests. It's not complicated, okay? It involves a digital rectal exam. Okay, this isn't fun. It's not great, but it's important. And it also involves a PSA test. Okay, and PSA is the lens through which my team, my medical team, looks at 
my disease progression. So while there are some controversies around PSA, the issue is not the test, it's the responsible use of the data. Sure. And it's really important that men are seeking this stuff out and that we find cancer before it finds us. Don, well said. And, of course, it's the weekend of the Terry Fox run for those who need to be reminded of cancer in our midst and what people are trying to do about it. You have a plane to catch, and I understand you're taking off in four minutes. So thanks ever so much for doing this with us this morning, Don, and bon voyage. Sterling, thank you so much for having me. All the best to you and your listeners. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.